You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kalia LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Hello, everybody. This is Kalia. And today, the topic of our podcast is the Invisible Warrior understanding our family roles. When I was a child, I spent a lot of time alone. I lived on a dairy farm six miles out of town and a mile from the closest house. There was a lot of nature around me. So in many ways, I was raised by nature, which was a blessing. I found myself hiding out a lot in nature because I didn't feel safe at home. When I was home, I was in my room a lot. And thank God I had my own room because it was my sanctuary. When the rest of my family were downstairs together watching TV, I would be up in my room, listening to music, reading or writing. I had an active imagination which both got me into trouble and saved me at the same time. It's normal for children to have active imaginations. It's also normal that children in abusive environments can escape their environments through their imaginations. It doesn't matter what's going on at home. A child can retreat to the world that they create within themselves, one that is filled with fairy tales, and imaginary friends. Many children, like me, prefer to be invisible because it feels safer. But at the same time, there is a lack of attention, and this can be painful. There's a tightrope to be walked between getting attention and staying safe. There are many different roles that a child adopts growing up, depending on the nature of the child, and sometimes on the birth order. I was the middle child, who often is the invisible child, but not always. There's also the golden child, or we also call the golden child the hero. There's the scapegoat, or the troublemaker. There's the clown, or mascot and the lost child, who is the invisible child. Some children will take on more than one role. So let's take a deeper look at these roles, and maybe you can find yourself in them. The hero, or the golden child, is the one that seems to be normal. They're often most like the dysfunctional parents at the helm. They appear to be the most normal and lend themselves to making the family look normal. They're often overachievers, perfectionists, and they do make the family look good. The scapegoat is often the troublemaker in the family because they don't make the family look good. On the contrary, the scapegoat is the truth teller and tends to speak out against the dysfunction and injustice in the family. The scapegoat is likely to say dad is always drunk or mom is mentally unstable. 
And as a result of their outspoken or reckless nature, they're often blamed for the problems in the family. The scapegoat might get involved in drugs or alcohol early in life, skip school and bring negative attention to the family. The clown brings comic relief to the tense family environment by cracking jokes, being a prankster, and sometimes making a joke about everything. They are the funny one and often the center of attention. And they hide their pain behind their mascot presentation. The lost child or the invisible child is the quiet one, the dreamer, the one who doesn't participate much in the family and escapes into their own little world. They spend a lot of time alone and are often quite shy. These roles evolve out of a dysfunctional family system where one or both parents are alcoholic, drug addicted, mentally ill, or narcissistic. When one of the parents are addicts or narcissistic, the other is often the caretaker, the enabler, or codependent. It's always helpful to our healing as adults, no matter what age we are, to identify what parent or sibling played what role. And it is most helpful to understand our own role. If you are an only child, you may have adopted several roles. And even if there are other children, one child may identify with more than one role. Looking back on my life, I can easily see that I was the lost child. But also as I got older, I was the scapegoat. And not because I was necessarily a troublemaker. I wasn't someone who got in trouble very often because I was the quiet, shy, invisible one who didn't like to draw attention to herself. But as a result of my role, I also developed an eating disorder, which brought the family dysfunction to the foreground. Because eating disorders in children usually arise out of a dysfunctional family. At some point, the family has to admit that there's something wrong with this child. And treatment for eating disorders often involve family therapy because therapists recognize that the eating disorder is a manifestation of a greater family issue. It's interesting to play the role of both the invisible child and the scapegoat because the scapegoat is usually much more visible, causing trouble in the family. But my scapegoat role showed up in an interesting and unusual way. Even though I was quiet and kept to myself most of the time, I also didn't keep my mouth shut. I spoke what I saw. I entered into arguments with family members and attempted to tell the truth as I saw it. I challenged my stepfather and would often express my feelings, even if it seemed nobody listened or cared. Still, I existed in painful silence most of the time until, as a teenager, I started to disappear. 
not only emotionally and psychologically, but physically. I just started to disappear and become even more invisible. I was in emotional pain, and I didn't feel that anybody really cared about how I felt. I rebelled against my painful reality by going on a hunger strike, so to speak. Now, I didn't consciously see it as a hunger strike at the time. It was a natural evolution of being a lost child. I developed anorexia nervosa. I just quit eating. I didn't do this consciously for attention. In fact, I wasn't very conscious at all at the time. My eating disorder was a byproduct of the role that I played in my family. Ironically, I was so invisible that it didn't seem that anybody in my family noticed that I was fading away. The more I shrank, the more I wore wore baggy, heavy clothes to keep warm. I shrank down to 89 pounds and nobody seemed to notice. Nobody in my family talked to me about it. Nobody expressed concern. When I was 17, I had an outer body near-death experience. When I was at my lowest weight, I could have died that day, right there on the family sofa, with my mother in the same room, reading a magazine. But there was another force present that made itself known to me. I became aware as I was lying on the sofa that my body was so heavy and I was so weak, I couldn't lift my head off the pillow. I couldn't move. I could barely speak. I was in trouble. And I knew if I was to survive this, I needed to ask for help. But how could I ask for help? Who would care? Who would help me? It was such a painful and lonely feeling that I remember to this day. I mustered up enough strength to ask my mom for help. I told her, I can't move. I can't lift my head up off the pillow. She looked up from her magazine long enough to say, well, then why don't you get up and eat something? Then she went back to reading her magazine. Well, obviously, she noticed that I wasn't eating, but she didn't seem to notice that I was unable to get up and eat something. After that, I lifted out of my body. I just raised up out of my body, and I wondered if I really even had that conversation with my mother or if I just imagined it. As I saw her sitting there reading her magazine, oblivious to her daughter dying in the same room. They would tell me that this never happened, that I was never 89 pounds. I didn't die that day. It was never that bad. I just had an active imagination. As someone with an eating disorder, I was obsessed with my weight. I weighed myself 
many times in one day just to be sure that I wasn't gaining weight. Because to someone with anorexia, weight is the enemy. We have to stop it. We can't allow ourselves to gain. Losing weight is the achievement. That's what makes us feel like we're in control. It doesn't matter how much we lose or if we even lose our lives in the process. It's a very insane mental and psychological dynamic. As I floated above my body that day, I became aware of a presence. And you may have heard me talk about this before. It was such a significant time in my life. It was such a big deal. It was the day I became aware that there was more, that there were other forces at work in my life. I really wasn't alone. There was this presence that I called my angel. It was a feminine presence who spoke to me telepathically. And she met me in this place where I floated above my body, somewhere in limbo between life and death. Perhaps I was never meant to die that day. I had a greater purpose. And intervention was needed. Because of the dysfunctional nature of my family, if I hadn't received divine intervention, I would have left that day. I would have left my body and never returned. And there was a part of me that wanted to leave because I was so desperately alone. But the voice I heard, my angel, met me in a place where I remembered there was more to this life than I could have known. There was more to me. I wasn't just a random accident. I had come here for a purpose. But at the fragile age of 17, I couldn't have known any of this. I only knew I was in pain. I was suffering. I was alone. My life didn't have any meaning. My angel told me that I was dying. And somehow I knew that dying didn't mean I would cease to exist. But it did mean I would cease to exist in this world. She told me that I needed to choose. She would help me either way. I needed to choose between life or death. And it didn't matter what I chose. There was no wrong or right answer. Although I remembered being told only weeks before when I passed out one time and I was in that place between sleep and wake that there was a purpose to my life. So this was my second divine intervention. But I realized that my life was much bigger than I could imagine it to be at that time. And I realized that I didn't want to die. I wanted to live. But I needed to get on board with this desire to live and make it known to the powers behind the scene in my life. I said to my angel, I want to live. I want to live. 
suddenly I found myself back in my body. And I had enough energy to get up and go into the kitchen and make this protein shake. I nursed myself back to life with a lot of protein shakes, one sip at a time, until I had gained sufficient strength in my body to recover. I started eating again after that and recovered from 89 pounds back to 120 pounds. I find it interesting looking back how I went through death's door and nobody in my family noticed. I could have died that day. I would have been buried and in many ways forgotten, but I made the decision to live. My lost and invisible child moved with me into adulthood. I had grown to be tall, slim, and attractive, but I didn't see myself that way. I still lived so deeply within myself that I was oblivious to the way that others saw me. I still felt invisible in so many ways. And this has been the struggle that I've gone through my entire life as I move forward with my purpose and put myself out in the world. And I needed to be visible in order to fulfill my purpose. I needed to write my books and do my podcast and communicate with those who followed my work. And I also needed to, you know, I was a musician to record my music and to perform, to be out on stage. These were drives within me that were part of my purpose in life. So I had to overcome all of these fears in order to fulfill my purpose. As I put out my last book, The Path to Self-Love, my invisibility came back to my attention. I didn't want to promote myself. I didn't want to ask for those reviews as my publishing team instructed me to do. There was a part of me that still wanted to be invisible. And yet there was a part of me, the part that wanted to succeed in life, that wanted to be seen. And I couldn't seem to bridge the two. I realized how difficult it is for the invisible child to be successful because there's still that part that wants to kind of shrink away. In my case, I wasn't narcissistic enough. I didn't want all of that attention. To me, attention was dangerous. The attention I received was often negative, even from people who criticized my work and judged me mercilessly and found fault with me in such a way that I felt like I needed to explain myself or defend myself. There was a part of me that just wanted to shrink away so I didn't have to deal with any of it. I hated social media, never got involved with it. And often when I made a post, it would be ignored. Nobody would seem to see it. And this is how social media was for me. I felt invisible on social media because I wasn't, I wasn't really into it. I wasn't putting myself out there enough. And when I did, put myself out there. It was like it didn't even happen. I told a friend how I felt invisible. I felt like nobody really saw me. And she said, Kalia, are you kidding? You're six foot tall and blonde. How could nobody see you? Well, I wasn't really six foot tall, but people who did see me did see a tall person. I carried myself well. I walked tall. 
I held my head high. I held my shoulders back. I had an air of confidence about me because I was a warrior. I was an invisible warrior. Sometimes when I would walk into Walmart, people would run into me with their shopping carts only to say once they hit me, oh, I'm so sorry I didn't see you. I realized that I needed to get more comfortable being seen. I need to put my cloak of invisibility away for now and step out onto the stage of life in a bigger way, even though I'm more comfortable in the shadows. I've got to work on being less gun shy, knowing the more I put myself out there, the more a target I am. We all have our individual challenges that stem out of our childhood roles. And I'm sharing one of my challenges with you today. We don't tend to completely grow out of our roles unless we become entirely conscious of them and we consciously work to overcome. As the invisible child, we need to develop a certain comfort with coming out of our shells and being seen. As the scapegoat, we need to learn to stop taking the blame for other people's repressed pain that they're projecting onto us. As the mascot, we need to learn to deal with our pain directly and stop making jokes to hide how we really feel. As the hero, we need to relax more and stop trying to be a perfectionist or struggle to achieve so much. Our roles are how we survived in childhood, but we're no longer children, and we don't need those roles to survive now. What served us as a child does not serve us as an adult. Yet they are so unconsciously buried in our psyche and have been our coping mechanisms for so long, it can be really challenging to identify them and do things differently. For example, in my personal relationships, if someone displayed dysfunctional or toxic behavior, I tended to just cut off from them and disappear, even if I was living with them. I used my old coping mechanisms of running for safety, for the safety of invisibility. Because if I'm not seen, I won't be the target for their aggressions. I'm having to learn to be more direct in my communication and speak my truth, regardless of the consequences. It's taken a lot of strength and courage to overcome In many ways, I still prefer to be in solitude by myself. It's where I feel safe. But this isn't always what's best for me. I also crave connection and love and to have a family of people around me. And I have to work to develop a solid social circle. It's not my default as an invisible child, to be an extrovert, to put myself out there and draw a lot of people into my inner circle. I've had to develop my inner warrior, as we all do, because it is the warrior within that fights hard to overcome 
those previous limitations we've had to rely on to cope and even survive. There was a study done that shows that many extremely overweight people were sexually abused as children, and they put on the weight so they too could be invisible on a sexual level. If they were really fat and unattractive, they wouldn't get that attention, which was dangerous to them as children. In order to lose the excess weight, they also need to be comfortable with being seen on all levels. They need to be comfortable with being attractive before they can achieve their goals. When I was a young hypnotherapist, I ran into this dynamic quite a lot with clients. We had to identify and then work through the early childhood sexual abuse in order for them to drop the weight that they were struggling so hard to lose. And, you know, a lot of my clients weren't extremely obese. They might have been comfortably overweight, but the same dynamic applied. They had to face that childhood sexual abuse in order to lose that weight and be willing to be seen. Many people never find success in their lives for similar reasons. There's a deeply embedded fear that prevents them from stepping out onto the stage of their life and be willing to be seen. Many of us have had toxic relationship patterns because we don't believe that we're worthy of love. So we attract the partners who can't really love us or see us or hear us or value us. And this is how we felt as children. It just carried over into our adulthoods. Breaking our worn out family roles is a real challenge. Our roles were how we survived difficult circumstances. They're hard to grow out of. We resort to these roles to keep us safe. But they no longer work to keep us safe. What they do in our adulthood is they keep us down. They hold us back. They keep us from truly achieving our potential in life. They keep us from having the relationships we want. They keep us from reaching for our dreams. And let me tell you, it's never too late to reach for your dreams. They may be modified and they may need to be somewhat realistic. Sometimes we might not have realistic dreams, but we can still work to achieve a life that we find is worth living. If we are underachievers and feel we never really got what we wanted, we need to shift this belief in our subconscious minds. We need to go from the belief, I can't ever get what I want, to I can. I can get what I want. We all need to find that warrior within. The part of us that's willing to fight for ourselves, to overcome and step into our deeper purpose for being here. I just read the book, Living an Examined Life by James Hollis, which is a 21-step plan for addressing the unfinished business of your life. And he basically tells us that it is the lack of meaning and purpose in our life and our lack of ability to truly examine our life that keeps us from truly having a life 
worth living. We need to be willing to examine our lives, to look deeply into the shadows and make changes where changes are needed. Living the unexamined life is like living from a place of default. We default to dysfunctional ways of being in the world, to old coping mechanisms and old survival strategies. Looking deeply into ourselves can be challenging, but it's the only way forward. It's the only way to really create a life worth living. It's the only way to have the work we want, financial abundance, health, longevity, and excellent relationships. We need to be willing to examine what is in our way. When I was 17, my angel visited me and told me I had a purpose. And that purpose was my voice. So I had to spend my whole life being willing to go out onto the stage of life and use my voice, whether it was singing or speaking or writing. I needed to overcome my invisibility enough to be willing to be on stage. And that was hard. But it was my purpose not to stay invisible, but to use my voice to put myself out there and be both seen and heard. We all come here with a gift. Do you know what yours is? Can you tell me what your gift is right now? Or do you need to go within and do some exploration to really align with your purpose for being here. If you need help with this, know that I'm available for coaching, counseling, and hypnotherapy. I love to help people to uncover themselves and step out into life in a brave, courageous way. You can learn more about my work Or check out my books and audios at NarcissismFree.com and PathBackToSelf.com. So I want to thank you so much for being here with me today and listening to this podcast. And I will see you in the next podcast. Have a great day.